This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder. The only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk, get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air,、uh, and, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath, and I am joined by my friend and co host, Judy Cho. And we are in that dreaded time suck period of time between Halloween and January 1st, where every day is about food. Every holiday is centered around food, and there's like temptations everywhere we go. So, we wanted to have this episode be some quick tips on how to survive the holidays,、uh, how to manage it, some different options of ways you can get through it, and then a little bit of our experience from previous holidays. So, hi, Judy, welcome. <laughs> So, Laura, what are your plans for the holidays?、Um, Thanksgiving, Christmas. I mean, Christmas is kind of far out, but what are your plans? Well, we haven't told anybody this, but we're doing、uh, Thanksgiving together. Judy's、yes. family and my family are going to do a little road trip. I have somehow convinced Judy to drive <laughs> halfway between Phoenix and、uh, Austin, and we're going to meet up and do Thanksgiving carnivore style with our families this year, which I know my kids are super pumped about hanging out with your kids. Yeah, we're so excited because Penelope and Nathaniel are the same age as my boys, and they've never met though, right? So they've done、right. like FaceTime and they've done videos, but they have never met in person. So it'll be really interesting to see them actually be together, and it'll be so much fun. Yeah. And you, you're breaking out of our tradition. This is breaking us out of our tradition because Thanksgiving, ever since we've gone carnivore, it's kind of one of those things where. You could eat turkey on Thanksgiving, but if you don't like turkey that much, or if that's the only thing you're eating, it kind of ends up, you feel a little empty that day. And so our family has gone to、uh, Fogo de Chao and did unlimited Brazilian steakhouse meat every year on Thanksgiving the last several years. So that's kind of our way of not cooking, not spending the money on all the Thanksgiving sides, not having the temptation. And we've kind of,、um, that's how we've approached Thanksgiving over the last couple of years. 
I saw that in your poster stories years ago. And so last year we did that and we took our friends to our local Brazilian all you can eat barbecue. But I, I think that's a good way. Like you can have a meat fest at that point. And right. really traditions change quite a bit. You know, thankfully we don't have anybody in our house who is still stuck on those same tra- Thanksgiving sides and traditions. And so we're able to really change up what that holiday looks like. Um, and then for Christmas, we always do some like fancy steaks and crab legs and splurge and get some, you know, expensive steaks and crab legs and try to have it be still focus on really special meals, but they don't have to be the same as what they used to be. The very first holiday season that you went through eating low carb and carnivore, how did you bypass the traditions of all the sweets and the side potatoes and the, you know, the mashed potatoes and the gravy? And was it not even an issue? You know, thankfully we, it is just us, like we're a small little family and we don't have a lot of people to celebrate the holidays with. And so that in some ways is helpful because I don't need to worry about cooking for other people. But I think that first holiday season, I was just so motivated by the progress that I had had. And it's so addicting to like stay that it was easier to stay super strict because I didn't want to set myself back. And the the way that I made it through that first holiday season was by doing something that I often do of just saying, not this year. Like Mm. those hostess Christmas tree cakes that are out every single year are the greatest things ever. Those will be there next year. Like it's okay if you skip it for one year and then kind of telling myself that a thousand times over the holidays and getting through that first holiday season um, by just saying next year, next year. And then once it was over and I hadn't set myself back that far and I didn't um, have to kind of like start fresh over on January 1st with this whole huge setback, it really made it all worth it. And I was really glad that I had made those decisions um, to to make it through and, and stay strict. I think that's the, the thing you can, I know people that say super strict through the holidays. We did that with Carnivore 75 Hard as well a couple of years ago. And then I also know people who tell themselves like, hey, Thanksgiving Day, I'm going to branch out and have a bunch of keto treats or, um, you know, Christmas Day, I'm going to enjoy a bunch of keto chocolate or real chocolate and for one day and then get back on track. I knew that first year that I was in such, had such momentum that if I were to eat a bunch of real food and real sides on Thanksgiving, I would have had a very hard time getting back on track now. Um, last year after doing this for several years, I thought like, well, I've been doing this for long enough. I'll enjoy some keto treats on Thanksgiving day and I'll enjoy some keto treats in my stocking on Christmas day. And we had that for dessert. I I do think that I ended the holidays in a lot more difficult place. Like I wasn't as proud. I didn't feel as good. I was feeling more sluggish. I obviously didn't feel good physically. But then mentally, once I had started having those keto treats, it was much harder for me to turn that off again. And so saying no all the time ends up being way easier than saying yes to certain things or yes, sometimes. And then you have to go back to saying no, right? That's that abstainer um, moderator personality where I just do so much better when I don't incorporate those things at all. Basically, you covered two of the points I wanted to bring up. One is focusing on the positives and not the losses. So it really is about, um, I guess, shifting our perspective. So you were saying that you were focused on the initial weight loss and you had this momentum and you wanted to keep going. And so you didn't want to, um, the very first year, eat any other sweets because you didn't want it to 
inhibit your progression. Where people think, oh, I can't eat、um, Aunt Sally's apple pie or pumpkin pie this season, and I feel sad, and I feel like I'm losing out. Like these thoughts that we have become, woe is me. I feel sad for myself. I feel bad、right. for myself. And then your mentality of why you're eating the way you are, and why you're abstaining, and why you're trying to be healthier. It almost becomes a no longer valid point because you're focusing on what you're lacking. One of the recommendations I would always give is, you know, focus on the positive. Don't focus on what you are quote unquote losing out on, because the reality is, if you're healthy and you don't gain the holiday weight that most people do, then by January first, you're just continuing life, and you're not like, oh, I'm going to create all these New Year's resolutions. I'm going to get back on my diet. I'm going to get back on this new exercise regimen, and instead, you're January first. You're just Continuing, it's no different than any other day. And then the second thing is just、uh, managing expectations, planning ahead, and understanding that we have to know ourselves, right? So I can say to myself, "Oh, I can dabble in keto treats." I totally did that my first year with carnivore. So I did the opposite of you, and I said, "I've been good." So I, I am going to dabble in a little bit of keto treats. Well, by the end of the holidays, I was eating real sugar, and I, like you said, I couldn't stop myself. And that's when I realized. For me, at that point, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do the keto treats. So, it really depends on the person to decide if they want to eat these foods and if they can handle it. Right, the handling part is the most important part. Well, you mentioned focusing on the positives, and I think that's why our family has changed up our holiday traditions so drastically. Yeah. Because if I tried to do normal Thanksgiving but only eat what I could eat, I'd be left with like. Turkey or ham or whatever, and then you're feeling like you're missing out on something because there's less for you, and you're feeling restricted. When you know, obviously, we've changed up our holidays. If you don't have the ability to do that, and you have to do a traditional Thanksgiving with a large family, bring yourself a ribeye to cook on the side, or bring yourself a pound of fresh cooked bacon and some eggs and things, so everybody else is sitting down and having a full plate full of food, where you can have that little piece of turkey, but then you have a big, giant, delicious ribeye also on your plate. I guarantee you, everybody else at the table is probably going to be jealous of your steak, and their mashed potatoes are not going to look so good anymore. So. Finding a positive thing for you to look forward to. For me to pass on the Christmas candy is so much easier. What I know, I have like a very expensive, fancy steak and some crab legs that are a little out of my budget on a normal basis. But I get those big king crab legs, and it's you pass up on all those treats. But like this is my gift to myself, or I have something positive to look forward to, and you're not just feeling like you're missing out on things. And we have to also remember those holidays where we were in our heads. So I remember I would go to holiday parties and I wouldn't eat all day, so that I I can then eat normally or a normal amount, and then feel like okay, I'm eating normal in front of these people, so that people don't think I have an eating disorder. And then when I would eat chocolate or eat whatever is out there that's less than ideal, then. All that mattered to me was that oh, oh I ate too much and you know basically having drama in my head with my own self and instead、right. of enjoying conversations with others, feeling like the tightness of my pants and then feeling down about myself like oh I did it again right that type of attitude instead of enjoying the people there and seeing our family and friends and、uh, what the momentous holiday is for right so Thanksgiving is for gratitude setting aside time to think about all the things. In the past year that you're thankful for. I mean, we should do that all the time, but it's celebrating that. And if we're in our heads because of the food we ate or the food that we're abstaining from and obsessing over, 
well, what kind of holiday is that? So that's where, for me, it's no longer worth eating certain foods that are there because I don't want to risk not being present in a holiday that is much more than just about the food. Well, I think also going along with that, managing those expectations, you know, like you said, plan ahead for what's going to be there, but then honor yourself, realize that, you know, you need to give yourself the best experience and the best holiday possible and think about what, not only what that's going to be like the day of, that doesn't mean YOLO, it's Christmas and I need to eat whatever I want. That's me honoring myself. How are you going to feel the next day? And, and, you know, on our last episode, we talked about the happiness pie chart and I didn't have the answer for a lot of those things that she was asking. I really need to do some deep work on that myself, uh, on addressing those things. And there's not a more perfect time to be able to focus on things like that. Um, and kind of focusing on the true meaning of these holidays and this time that we have than to spend your time, not worrying about the food as much. And obviously that's way easier said than done. I'm not, you know, that's not an easy thing. It takes a lot of years to focus on that, but it is something that we can try to have in the front of our minds to help push us through. Um, So we're not making the holidays about that singular food item and really trying to help ourselves focus more on the bigger picture. Yeah. And that's why when you bring up the happiness pie chart, and for those of you that didn't listen to our last podcast, I mean, basically it's figuring out what makes you happy. And it shouldn't be one thing because one thing, then if it's not working well, then you're not going to be happy. So the ideal, I guess, pie chart would be that you have multiple things that can provide you joy and provide you happiness, not because what people perceive you or, uh, you know, require of you, but that brings you joy. And it might just be getting my nails done. That might bring you happiness. And that might be part of that happiness pie chart. If you do that, um, I guess, practice, and then you realize, okay, one thing that makes me happiness, uh, brings me true happiness is community and in-depth conversations where I have a laugh with someone I love. And if you know that that is part of your happiness pie chart, but you en- end up eating a food that's triggering, and now all you think of is um, eating more of that or that you regret it and you messed up your diet. Well, that's not part of your happiness pie chart. And so that's why I think it's really important to do that happiness pie chart, figuring out what truly brings you happiness. You don't have to share it with anyone. And then from there, if you know that at Thanksgiving, someone brings a triggering food, or if you know that if you don't eat enough before you go to the event, then you're going to be hungry and that will give you less I guess, resilience to stop eating certain foods. I mean, know your triggers and plan ahead. And that's when you can try to not eat those foods by stopping those triggers in advance. Definitely. I think that's a big part of it. Most of the time we know what we're going to be walking into with these holidays. Uh, There are things that are traditions. And in a lot of ways, that's harder than the unexpected donuts in the break room. It's the, but this is the time that I always have this item. And being able to say no to that is really hard, which is why, I still can't tell you forever if forever I will not have this, you know, Christmas dessert. Maybe someday I will, but I know that I can't handle it this year. And so for now, I'm just telling myself again, not this year, worry about it next year, see where you're at next year and kind of see how that is uh, and taking it really one holiday at a time and one day at a time. Or even doing visualizations, right? So it might not just be the food that's a trigger. It could be Uncle Sam <laughs> says to you, oh, um, you you look like you've gained some weight over the past, you know, just an insinuation that maybe you don't look as well. Then you start feeling super insecure in you. And then the easiest thing to do is cope with food, right? Or you're stressed out because your kids aren't behaving, whatever the reason may be. Those are triggers that also can cause us to then turn to food as a coping mechanism. It's not 
easy to predict everything that will happen, but at least if you can plan ahead. If I feel sad because someone said something to me that hurts my feelings, well, you could try to redirect it. Well, it's probably more about them than me. If I were to tell you, Laura, well, Laura, your orange hair is really ugly. You wouldn't get offended by that because you know you don't have orange hair. <laughs> I don't think you're blonde. <laughs> but what you, you know what? <laughs> yeah. Or let's say I'm saying your hair's black. You know, whatever sure. it is, you know it's not true. So you would be like, uh, do you, are you wearing your glasses or whatever <laughs> it is? But if I were like, Laura, your hair is too short and it's not cute. What then? You might go. Me, you only will get upset if you think there's some truth to it. And so, we okay, have wait, to know. you lost me for a little <laughs> bit in that, but I'm with you now. Now it makes sense. I was confused, but I don't, I don't get what you're saying. If you are giving it validity or if you see truth in it, then that's when things can be hurtful. But I think that's, yeah. if somebody's attacking me over carnivores, giving me high cholesterol and is making me unhealthy, like I just laugh and roll it off. And I'm not even going to engage in those conversations because yes. I know that it's not true and that I just, it's not worth my time to get upset with it, but you're right. If, if you believe that there is truth in what's being said, then you are going to take it personally and it's going to be hurtful. Yeah. And a lot of times you just have to redirect, right. And say, oh, they're probably in a bad mood and just be more empathetic towards them of, oh, it's probably something about them and not let it affect you. And I know that's really, really hard, especially with close friends and loved ones. It becomes even more hurtful, even if we know that person's character can say things like that, but it's always a lot easier to penetrate us and hurt us. But if we understand these things and we can visualize, okay, this is what I'm going to do when that person does that to me. I'm going to walk and talk to my kids that always make me laugh, or I'm going to talk to my mother who sometimes makes me laugh, right? So, or whatever it might be. So if you plan situations and then you visualize them, you have a out. And your body can remember that in those moments of stress. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's also, it goes into setting boundaries. And I had a bunch of girls over my house yesterday and we ate like these giant steaks and had a great time hanging out. But that's one of the conversations that came up when talking about toxic people in your life is setting those boundaries. Like if you're having Thanksgiving with somebody who's toxic in your life and is not helpful, like you, you actually don't have to do Thanksgiving with them. Like you don't have to have those holiday times with them. You, it, it, it might cause drama to say, no, we're not doing holidays together this year, but I guess where's what's worse being around somebody who's making you feel terrible and who's toxic in your life or setting the boundary of saying not this year. Again, you know, it's okay for you to not, be obligated to spend time with people who don't make you feel okay and who hurt you. And it's a hard thing, especially around the holidays. Too many times we feel obligated to spend time with toxic people. And I'm giving you permission to not do that this year. The pandemic has taught us anything. It's that life is so precious, that time is short, that community is so important. And we should be spending it with people that uplift us. Now, there's certain scenarios. Let's say you have an ex-husband that you have to share the holidays with because of your children. You know, you could figure things out. Maybe uh, if we're all together, I'll be on the other side of the house, right? There's certain things that you can do. Obviously, it's not that easy. But just figuring out if you cannot get out of it, that there will be other solutions or options you can do to maybe get through the situation. But Yes. um, I think if it's someone that you don't have to necessarily be with, I think it's okay to um, self-care and put yourself first in that sense. 
And that's another tip that that we had talked about was setting those realistic goals and putting yourself in, in circumstances that you know are going to be uh, helpful to you. And if you're going to be in circumstances that are going to be stressful to you, what's your out? How are you handling it from a food perspective? For me, it's that having the one non-negotiable thing, like I will stay carnivore is my one non-negotiable thing. If I eat more often than I want to processed meats or other things, those things are all fine. At the end of the day, how much I eat, when I eat, I'm much more flexible with those things based on the needs of my stress level and the circumstances that I'm in. But my one non-negotiable thing is exactly what I'm eating. And so in those stressful situations, like what's the one thing that's um, that you need to hang on to, to, to have that be a win. And it's a lot easier than trying to like stay on track with everything. Maybe yeah. you need a drink. And that's what you could do. I don't know. Even for me, uh, that was my hard rule. Um, the last few holidays is like no keto treats, no sugar. And that was the way I got through it compared to the very first year. But now I'm at a point where I think I could be a little bit more flexible with my diet, but it took me like four years to get here. It wasn't an easy process um, by any means, but I had to go through the learning lesson of the first holiday season and fall and fail miserably to realize, oh, wow, it's actually really important to stay on track. And, and it it was crazy, because I had done maybe six months of carnivore, and I was feeling great. I had the zero carb Zen, and then the holidays came and I was like, I felt bad for myself, because I hadn't planned ahead. And then I started eating some keto treats. And then by New Year's, I was in the car, I remember and eating pure sugar. And I just remember, really quickly into it, I started feeling kind of down. I felt kind of depressed and and it just reminded me of, oh my gosh, this is why I don't eat these foods. That holiday season wasn't fun for me because I was stuck back in it. And I remember thinking, I can't believe I'm back here. I kept thinking that. And so carnivore 75 hard because I didn't want to go through that again. And it was a world of a difference, right? Giving back, making the holidays not about me and just focusing on celebrations and community and not about what junk food can I eat. And then it was it was so different. And it's I wish people can just taste that. But if you just focus on what you'll gain from that time and not feel sick or not feel unwell, those are the things that we should really be trying to focus on. Once you have it too, then that creates that shame cycle and and the guilt and which then usually ends up to eating more terrible food and kind of triggers a lot of people. But, you know, if, if this is your first holiday season doing carnivore, my biggest piece of advice would be to stay strict, um, mainly because that you're in such a good place right now. You have so much momentum. You have so much healing that's happening. You had all those foods last year. You can have them all again next year. But really just to push through and give yourself some time and consistency for healing, um, it does set you back quite a bit. Like if you were to eat a bunch of bad things, normal carby things on Thanksgiving, to be able to get back on track again before Thanksgiving is so hard for most people. If you want to have one day and then get back on track until Christmas Day, do it. But most people who are listening to this podcast are not that way. Mm -hmm. And so to really spiral from Thanksgiving to New Year's, really can set, I could have easily gained back all of my weight in those seven weeks, um, at the place that I was in when I first got there. So, I mean, really just focusing on just this year and, and one day at a time and realizing that, you know, you're in such a good place right now to not throw yourself off by, you know, having a bunch of carbs, um, on with those holidays is my recommendation, but also just, 
know, know what you can handle, know what, you know, be, be honest with yourself about what you can really handle. And if you want to do it, I mean, nobody's judging you. We're just trying to help you heal, but do what you want to do. You're not kicked out of the carnivore club. If you eat mashed potatoes on Thanksgiving. All right. And you have to be honest with yourself. Some people say they can handle it and they can't. So that's where you might have to trip up for a little bit. I mean, that's what totally happened to me the first year, but they say that most Americans gain most of their weight, like I think a five to six pounds, or maybe it's a little bit less than that every year around the holidays. And then what ends up happening is starting January, they say, okay, I'm going to lose the weight, but then they actually never do. And then the next holiday season comes and then they add, and that's how people gain weight over the years. It's that small amount that's um, overeating during the holidays that then make it harder to lower the appetite, eat, eat healthy again, starting January 1st. And that's how weight gain happens for a lot of people. If you know yourself well, and you know that even if you go off and eat other foods and feel okay, and you know that you can come back to eating cleaner and and get get right back on it, then that's a beautiful place to be. But if you know that realistically, you've not done so well in the holidays that you actually kind of gain weight and you're like, I'm just going to celebrate the holidays and starting January 1st, starting January 1st, I'm going to do this. Then I would just throw a cautionary tale if you haven't been through a carnivore holiday season, because if you fall off, it gets really hard sometimes. Well, January 12th is no, I think somewhere on there is known as national quitting day, which is by that point, 12 days into the year, most people have already quit their New Year's resolutions. And I started a diet of some kind on January 1st every year of my life, yep. right? From the time I was like 20 until I went carnivore and finally it stuck. But I, I was never, I definitely had always given up by then. If not then, usually by the end of January, I was long done with whatever diet that I was on and completely off the rails. And so, you know, having something, if you ate a bunch of candy for, for uh, Halloween, it's a, that doesn't mean you have to like continue to be on a spiral until January yes. 1st, because the, there's no, nothing happens January 1st. You wake up and you're the same person with the same motivation and the same goals. There's just pick an arbitrary date. I had picked the first of the month so many times and these Mondays so many times. Right now, my date is March 12th. March 12th, 2018 was the day that finally stuck for me where I stopped quitting. And it's a rand. I think it was a Monday actually that day, but it was just a random. I finally decided to not wait till the first of the month to not wait until, you know, who I had, I probably had started. Actually, I know for a fact, I started a diet on January of that year. And I think I made it till the end of January when it was Penelope's birthday. And I remember like eating a bunch of trash. And then I basically was off the rails again. And March 12th, I realized, oh, wait a minute. I've gained the entire 20 pounds back that I had lost in January and was on track to just be off the rails again for the rest of the year. And so just pick a date. It doesn't need, there's nothing magic that happens on January 1st. Right. Um, and, and you're able to kind of set your goals now to look ahead to then. Yeah. And I would challenge even picking a date in the future, right? Like every decision we make, every piece of food we put in our mouth is a new time to start, right? So I know it's so easy and trust me as a binge purger of eating disordered history for 12 years plus, um, I, I get it. But every decision, it's like, it's not like just because you ate a bad breakfast, it's, oh, the day's wasted. I'm just going to eat whatever right. I want because that's the mentality that we have. And then we keep eating bad. And then the next day it's like, oh, uh, we'll just start on Monday. And then on Monday, if it didn't happen, it's like, okay, I'll start on Wednesday. And then it's just, and then it's the weekend. And then it's like, okay, fine. The start of the month. 
all you have to do is look at it meal by meal and win your day. So it's okay. I didn't have the ideal lunch, but for dinner, I'm just going to have a steak and then carry on. It's not okay. Fine. Let's just wait for this magical day. And then we're going to get back on track. No, that's, that's you just staying stagnant and not fighting for better health and a better you. I think you just focus on meal by meal when it's hard take every day as a new time. And it doesn't even have to be every day. Take it meal by meal. And some days are much harder than others, but it's it's the accumulative meals that then make a gigantic change in your life. Yeah. That lie of like one more cheat day and then I'll yep. be able to be strict. Or if I just have these foods one more time, then I'll be able to be strict. Has I've done it a hundred times and it's literally never worked for me. And it just happens to be this day when I just say like, today's the day and enough's enough. And you then have to say that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times before it actually sticks, right? Like you have to kind of wake up with that mentality every day and realizing that those foods aren't one more time, isn't going to make the difference um, in what makes you successful. Yeah. Or the thought where we have, oh, I blew this day because I ate something at lunch. And then you're hard on yourself. And so the way you deal with that extra cortisol or stress or berating yourself is by grabbing some junk food to even cope, right? And then you're in this vicious cycle because when you eat that junk food, you have low energy, you start feeling depressed, and you you have all these thoughts of, I'm a failure, I'm not doing it. Oh, here we go again. Here's my cycle. And instead of thinking that, just say no. I am going to just eat meat. I'm just going to eat meat. And this is where nourishing yourself really comes into play. If you nourish yourself with enough fat and enough of the proteins and quality meats, and you feel full, even if your brain wants foods, your body won't be sending the hormones that are like, go get food, go binge, go do this, because you'll crave it from a mental side. And that side is really hard too. But the physical side will be like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, it's, it is, it's a chemical response. These foods are designed to be addicting and it's, we have to focus on them the same way that we do a drug in a lot of ways. Like most of us are that way. If you've made it here in this podcast and in this lifestyle, you probably have a lot of those addictive tendencies as well. And right. so, um, the same way that I, I, you know, I smoked for, for some years and like the same way, obviously that's very addicting, and I don't think about it much until I start watching a TV show that's like, I'm, I'm watching Boardwalk Empire right now. Like, I'm late to that game. But, like, they smoke nonstop in that I didn't even know what that is. TV show. It's from, like, the 20s during <laughs> okay. Prohibition. And okay. so they're constantly smoking cigarettes. And they're these, like, nasty, unfiltered ones, which I'm sure are totally disgusting and terrible. And I probably would throw up if I had one at this point. But I still watch them and go, like, oh, I remember the ritual food does the same thing, the same way that a drug does, or, you know, you, you associate that with relationships and with a social event and the ritual of food and the holidays is huge. And that's the biggest part that's hard to stay away from. And so for our family, like I said earlier, it's been this big left turn of like completely changing up what we center our holidays around so that it can mean, it can be something different and it can help take away a lot of those triggers. Um, our road trip this year, we're going to have no access to any of those other foods. No, but no turkey. And we're not even going to do a turkey this year. I don't think Judy, um, we're going to have just a full on carnivore Thanksgiving. And, and if that's not realistic for you, just think about how you can change things, um, to start creating some new traditions or prepare yourself to handle the existing ones. Like our family this year, we're going to travel during the Christmas holidays and we 
rarely do that unless we're going to LA for our family. And we're going to do something different because we want to make memories that are beyond the food because it's not about the food, right? It's about community and the centering and fueling ourselves and nourishing ourselves while we're with community. And that's what brings, you know, fullness and being complete and, and all of those things. But you can do that even if you nourish yourself with different things. It's just making traditions because ultimately, and this is a question I was going to ask you earlier is how many times have you gone through the high holidays with anxiety of, oh my gosh, what are they going to think of me? Or, oh no, am I going to overeat this meal? Should I wear different clothes? And even with the uh, resolutions, how many years do you remember every single resolution? Or how many times do you have the same resolution, right? And these are the things that then we should kind of take a step back really absorb and then say, if you do the same thing multiple times, you're just going to get the same results. And what if this one holiday, you decide I'm going to eat clean, maybe your cheat is going to be adding a little bit of veggies, maybe it's adding a fruit, if you can tolerate it, whatever, whatever it is. But if you eat mostly clean, and you do something different, what if your results are something different, and that you can actually get through the holidays and say, wow, I enjoyed the holidays. I'm not worried about the extra weight I gained or feeling bad about myself. But instead, I made it through these holidays. I have some good memories. And now I'm going to continue with life, eating my meat and being merry. And I agree with you on all of that completely. However, I still have to make it it is partly about the food. It's not about the food. Totally, totally. It's not about the food, but I have to have food that I'm looking forward to, which is why we kind of have changed up like what we're eating and stuff. Because that's to me, like what helps me push through a lot is just being excited. That's more than anything. A lot of the reason why carnivore works for me, because I get to be excited about what I'm eating every day. It's why I eat steak so much. It's why I get to eat, you know, this delicious meat that not only fuels me, but like it tastes so good that I'm not feeling like I'm being restricted. I'm ending the day and I'm ending the meal just feeling really satisfied and happy and like something awesome that I just got to eat. And that as much as like focusing on community helps me push through in a lot of ways. I mean, we definitely have to nourish ourselves well and eat the right foods to fuel our body. So I'm not saying, you know, just eat a can of tuna, but obviously like eat well and, 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 or celebrate over different foods. It doesn't have to be, I mean, you could have like every cut of meat out there and then what an abundance of food. If you think about Thanksgiving, you think about Christmas, the center is a meat. It's just maybe we don't have to have as many of the sides or have many of the desserts because yes, they're pretty. Yes, they're colorful. But I mean, do they make you happier? And if you go back to your happiness pie chart, does it fulfill that happiness pie chart? Like true joy, not in the moment, um, you know, instant gratification, emotional joy. Like what's the emotion behind it? Like true, deep-seated joy. Yeah, not the dopamine kick, right? Right. From the and that's what I have to look into myself and say, like, what are those things? Because I, I think I still have a hard time digging deeper to figure out what a lot of those are. And I think all of us do. I think, and I think it changes, and that's the beauty of being a human. What will make you happy today may be different than what make you happy in a few months. It's just figuring out what makes you happy now, and then doing those to honor yourself. And if eating a multiple pieces of a pie will make you happier and truly happier. And that will help you to keep motivated in life, then go ahead. But if it doesn't, then figure out what you're going to do so that you don't eat those pies during that time so that you can do and fulfill the other things in your happiness pie chart. 
Well, I'm excited for Thanksgiving. We're going to have fun together. And I'm going to make some of those pork chips and jerky that I'll bring so Kevin can eat those on your guys' long drive back. So since your drive oh, is going to be you. so torturous, I'll bring you uh, I'll bring you some meat snacks to have on your way home. I know. So Flora doesn't care about driving. And I'm always like, how are you doing a three-hour drive just to even come see me in Austin? I think of driving as so torturous, but well, I know, grew up it's... in the Midwest. And so like driving is like drive 10 hours from Indiana to West Virginia to see family or I don't know if you grew up in the Midwest, you know, like everybody drives to Florida for spring break. That's like a 16 hour drive. It's just, a, you just drive. It's you just do it. So Judy's from LA and they, if it's an hour <laughs> away with traffic, they don't go. So no, no, I, I drove from LA to San Francisco for school and that was a five hour, six hour drive. And that, but that was the most I could do. Kevin drove from Austin to LA when he moved here. And I think it was a three-day trip. And he's like, oh my gosh, I'll never do that again. We need to film this. This is going to be too funny. We're going to have so... when You guys are going to show up and everybody's going to pour out of the car just going crazy. (laughs) I'll give you some tips for stuff. Yeah, I'll give you tips of stuff to do with the kids when you're on your way. Okay, sounds good. (laughs) All right, thanks guys. Hope you have a wonderful holiday and hope that these tips were helpful. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Eastbath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Eastbath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. 
You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura Spath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. <laughs>